with us, newly married. Let's give them a hand. They're just back from their honeymoon and I think they have a little bit of time with us before they move south. So it's so great to have you guys back and big congratulations. We love you guys. And just a special welcome to, it's great to have Jake and Amanda visiting from Sydney. Um, yeah, great friends and used to minister at the Salvation Army Church. Now they've moved to Sydney. Long story, but it's always great to have you guys back. You're part of the family when you're here. Excellent. We have a treat this morning. Mr. Aziz, or Yusef, some of you might know him as, is sharing with us. Uh, whenever Yusef shares, it's always gold. So we're looking forward to this morning. And uh, thank you, Yusef. Thanks. Hey, church. What's happening? <laughs> uh, I, I'm so glad to be here. It's good. I've missed church a couple of Sundays in a row, to be honest. So it's really nice to be here and to do this. Uh, and I really just want to share some of my heart with you guys this morning. I hope that's okay. So thank you, Leanne, for like setting the precedent. That's good. Hey, it just makes me feel good. Um, you, you just lay everything out. You guys are amazing. And, you know, everybody can see everything. So which is just amazing. You've got nothing to hide. So, yeah, hopefully I'll do some of the same thing. Um, so let's just start off and pray together. And then I'll get into it. Thank you. Father God, I just wanted to thank you that we have this day. How beautiful is today? I just wanted to thank you for it. I thank you, God, for this church. I thank you that we can all be together. Um, I thank you, God, that we can just come and speak to you and we can sing to you. And there's nothing holding us back from doing that. And I just wanted to thank you for Jesus and I wanted to thank you for what he's done for us. And we're all here because of that. And I just want to pray, God, that um, today some of that would sink in deep into our hearts um, and change everything that we do from here on. Thank you, God, for Sears and for Joshi. Thank you, God, for their leadership. And thank you for the prophecy that Sears has, Lord God. And I really, some, some of that really spoke to me. And Lord God, I just pray that um, as, as a church is open to your spirit, is open to what you have to say, that they all see what you're doing in their lives, Lord God. You're, you're working in every one of our lives. And I just wanted to thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I just want to start off being positive today because <laughs> I've, I've been negative for the last couple of weeks, okay? But I'll tell you why and all of that. But it's spring. I'm being positive here. It's spring. I hate spring. Uh, okay, now, trust me, I'm going to be positive. <laughs> but it, uh, that doesn't sound positive. But I get hay, hay fever. It's so bad. It's debilitating. Like, apart from my sneezing, runny nose, my eyes can be horrible. Like, I just rub them until they start flaking off. Oh, some people know what I'm talking about. And um, I think I probably made Kim hate it too. I'm so grumpy in spring, so she wanted me to make sure I said that to everyone. Yep, and tired, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So for the last 10 years, um, I, I tried everything to get rid of my hay fever, antihistamines, antihistamines galore, nose sprays, the whole works. My mum's a pharmacist, so she's pretty much thrown everything at my hay fever. Nothing would work. Um, so my last resort was this really potent stuff. I don't know if, well, Swally would know what this is, called Fenergan. Oh, man, that stuff knocks you out, like, makes you so drowsy, makes you sick. But last year, we were in small group one day. Um, hay fever was as bad as always. So Beck says... Here I've got, where is Beck? Is she sitting here somewhere? No, she's gone. Oh, there you go. Sweet. Beck says, here I've got these tablets. They're natural. Give them a go. Okay? And I was like, sweet, Beck. Thanks for trying to help a brother out. 
but it's not going to work, you know, but I didn't, I didn't say that. I just nicely accepted, of course. But what Beck and the rest of the small group did next was genuinely prayed for me, you know, for, for this hay fever thing. And I didn't actually expect that. It was spur of the moment. The next day, the tablets made me feel slightly better. Just because hay fever, you know, it, it, it was progressed. We were well into the spring season. So it just made me feel a little bit better. And so I thought nothing of it. Nice gesture. Thanks, Beck. No worries. Appreciate more, you know, the heartfelt prayer and stuff. But this year, spring is different. You can probably see from my eyes. I don't have red eyes. They're all good. I started taking the tablets that Beck gave me, not the same bottle, of course, from last year. But I got another bottle. That's like Leanne and her 1998 cream. <laughs> so I'll leave it. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, so I started taking them early, you know, before spring came around. I was also doing other things. I was, like, hitting the ocean every day, and I'd eat local honey. And so this spring, I haven't felt any hay fever symptoms. Crazy. So, yeah, it's amazing. Honestly, the last 10 years, ever since I've started working in schools, I've had hay fever this badly. Um, you know, haven't it felt anything this season? No runny nose, no irritation in my eyes. Um, definitely don't need to take Finergan. So the kids had this, the kids at school that I teach had this running joke about Finergan. <laughs> they just thought as soon as I'd come in and I'd be dazed out and sort of like, you know, just taking it easy, laughing about everything. And they go, Sir Finergan? I'm like, Yep. <laughs> sure is. Uh, so yeah. So it's been, it's been amazing. <laughs> no Finergan this season, which is good. I've been, I've been straight. So, <laughs> so yeah, my productivity has been three times as good as it usually is during spring. So I know a turning point for me was that night at small group. Only through genuine prayer, hey, of our small group, God honors a genuine heartfelt approach towards him. So the Bible says, the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, yeah, makes a big difference in other words. So a, a real honest heartfelt prayer in God's eyes does a lot. It moves him. Um, so which is pretty cool. And I've seen that happen to me, you know, which is amazing which just within the last year. So I just wanted to give God thanks in your presence, you know, and just lift him up. And actually says that we, when we rightfully credit God for the things that he does, it makes our faith grow, our trust of him grow and our trust in him grow. So, yeah, start, start with something positive because, like I was saying, um, yeah, I haven't been that positive. You know, it's like, it's actually really strange. This week, right, I've just been, I've been exposed to uh, things that have discouraged me, but also people that are just super positive. Like, do you, do you, this mate of mine, right, he is so positive, it's, it's sickening. How do you guys, you guys ever meet people that are like that, that are just over-the-top optimistic, you know? So, you know, I just, I, I, sometimes I, I have him talk to me, I'm like, man... My mum's not that positive, and she's an immigrant who fled a war-torn country, now lives in the best country in the world, and she's still not that positive, you know? So anyway, this mate of mine and his wife, they have like a thousand kids, like kids of their own, and they have foster kids, and, and they're, they're pretty amazing, pretty amazing couple. So, but their home can be like a war zone. It's like a jungle, you know, like a, like a Rambo movie, you know, those 80s action movies, yeah, so everybody's shooting at you from all different directions, and you know, anyway, so as soon as you walk into their house, just stuff comes flying at you, you know, kids are running at you, and things are flying at you, and regardless of, regardless of all the craziness, he is always so positive, you know, he tells you everything that's going on, and you're like, oh my gosh, jaws hitting the ground, kind of thing, and then he says, oh, but I'm, I'm learning so much, it's been great, you know, and then you look over to his wife, and then her face tells the whole story, you know, she's kind of like, 
got a twitch in her eye. She's developed a tick kind of thing. So, <laughs> poor thing. But, yeah, so it's actually great being his mate, though, to be honest, because ha- having mates like that really lifts you up because they're always optimistic and they're always just, they give you hope, you know. It's, it's inspirational. And they show you how much they trust God as well. But still, at times, I'm like, I feel like saying to him, bro, that's a dire situation. Let's pray, you know. <laughs> you know, just forget being optimistic for a second. Let's kneel and pray, you know. Like, or I used to work with this lady as well. She's awesome. Um, Christian teacher in my last school, you know, like, great witness to Jesus. Always so happy, smiling at everyone. Her hellos were like, you hadn't seen her in ages. You know, she'd come up to you, hello, give you a big hug. I'm like, I saw you yesterday at work, you know. <laughs> but she's like that with everyone. So, and, you know, it was a real rough school where I used to work, so lots of kids had some full-on issues at home. So he- heaps of kids loved being in her class because they just longed for that positive, hopeful environment, you know. But it was funny, I had this one kid, he was classic. He hated being in her class. You know, I was like, mate, what are you talking about? Everyone loves Miss. What's wrong with you, you know? And he'd say, sir, seriously, she's always happy. Like, it's tiring, you know? He used to say to me, how can someone be that happy all the time? You know, and he, he couldn't stand it. So he was deliberately acting up in her class just so she, she would send him out. So it became our usual thing whenever he'd have her for class. He'd just walk up to the door. She'd give him work and send him over to me. So, you know, positivity is good. It's good, but sometimes it has to be tempered. And I think that's how I felt this week. You know, even though I had negativity and discouragement and stuff, and I'd felt that for the last couple of weeks, I kind of I didn't know it because I, I, I do this thing. I have this weird thing where I just switch off negative feelings in my head. And I think a lot of us guys do that, you know, like we just switch off discouraging feeling in our, in our heads. But I realized that... I was discouraged when it came to listening to God to hear what he had to say today. And it was really hard to listen to God because I was so down. But it's good I have Kimmy because she, you know, God really speaks through her in my life. And she said some stuff that brought a moment of clarity to me. Um, so, and, and I really honestly learned, even in our discouragement, God has something to tell us, you know. And that's when that breakthrough comes through, you know. Like sometimes, especially in our discouragement, that's when God has something to tell us. Um, so I think one thing I learned from this is just listen to that, you know, to what's going on. Even the negative feelings, listen to them sometimes, not to the feelings themselves, but what God has to tell, tell you through them. God has something for us, you know. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you guys what's been discouraging me, okay. I've been discouraged lately, and I'm, I might sound critical, but just bear with me, okay. I've been discouraged lately by how society has viewed us Christians, um, like, you know, obviously you guys know all the debates and on social media and stuff like that. A lot of the times, down to the way that I think that we've acted, you know, it's, okay, so just bear with me. Down to the fact that sometimes we haven't really led with love, I've really gotten the sense that the world doesn't think the best of us Christians sometimes. For some reason, like... God's allowed me to witness lately heaps of instances of when Christians were quicker to pass judgment on society than love them. Um, and some Christians lead with, you know, opinions rather than their actions kind of thing. And it really gives the world the wrong idea about us. It gives the world this idea that we exclude others, that this Christianity thing is only for good people or something. So, you know, that goes against all that God is about, all that God cares for. Um, I've also re- recently witnessed people who claim God, claim Jesus, but do things for all the wrong reasons. Like the church I became a Christian in, I love them, but they're in upheaval right now because a group of people who really are more concerned about themselves 
are causing division. And it's pretty sad, you know. They go about manipulating people to get them to join their side and it's just doing things out of selfish motives and, and not seeing the bigger picture of what God's doing. Um, for some reason, lately, God's been showing me Christians who don't seem to act genuinely. Um, who, you know, they rep a God who is real, but the average person who doesn't even know God looks at them and goes, these people are being fake, you know. Um, so for some reason, I don't know why, but God's showing me a lot. Well, I do know why, you know, because this is really what it's all about. We've all experienced it, though, when people let us down, um, when people act inconsistently to what this God thing was all about. Um, sometimes it's even people we look up to. Um, it brings us even to the point of saying, do I, do I even want to be counted as one of them, you know? So seriously, these last few weeks, I've, I've actually had the thoughts that went as far as, as going, do I even want to be called a Christian, which is pretty full on. But we can't control that. Hey, we can't control people. We can't control who calls themselves a Christian and who claims to be a follower of Jesus and what kind of reputation it gives the rest of us. And, you know, we all feel this kind of discouragement at some point. Maybe even disillusionment with Christianity and church. Because, like, guess what? We're all still people. Not one of us is perfect. We're all on our way, but we're not there yet, you know? And people will always let you down. We will let each other down. In fact, I have vivid memories of how I've let other people down. So I'm not being critical. I'm sort of, it's come back to me. And I've gone, I've let people down too, though, you know? So I can actually tell you about all of those times that I, I remember letting people down. That's let alone the times that I don't even remember letting people down. You know, so, you know, so we, we do, we let each other down. So in my discouragement, as I was talking it out about all these things that frustrate me, I couldn't spiritually see very well, like I said, and even saying to myself sometimes in the darkest moments, maybe, maybe I should just make a clean break, you know. And when you get to that point and think, what's the point? Why am I doing this? I could just walk away. At that darkest moment, a thought kept rising in me. And this is where it's at, right? The thought was... But Jesus is so good, you know. He is so good. I could just walk away, but Jesus is so good. I'm sold on him. I couldn't walk away from him, you know. He's amazing. Like, so Kimmy said to me, well, that's it. That's what you need to talk about, you know, that Jesus is so good. So that's what I'm on about today. See, there was a time when Jesus was um, talking about some real hard stuff about following him. And so many of his followers said, no, that's too hard for me. And they just left him, you know. And so he turned to the disciples that were still standing there, and he said, what, do you guys want to leave as well? You know, and you guys probably know this passage where Peter says to him, do you remember this verse? No, Lord, where would we go? You are the one who has the words of life, you know, and that's how I felt like this week. It's just that the thought kept coming into me. It's like, Jesus is so good. Where else would I go? He has the words of life. He has everything, you know. There's no one else like him. No one is perfect. He is perfect. So... Check this out. This is what makes Jesus so good, okay? I just chose one part. I just thought we'd talk about it. This is what makes Jesus so good. Two things that pretty much sum up who Jesus is as a person. It comes in John 1.14. John says this about him. So his disciple describes him in this way. He says, We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, Jesus, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. The two things that sum up who Jesus is. Grace and truth. Grace and truth are the two things about Jesus that make all of us sold on him. It's the reason we're all here. 
we're here because we're not always right. We're not always going to get it right. And we're not here in church because we're perfect. We're not even here because we think that people here will never let us down. But seriously, this beautiful place, driving with people that are full of life, only exists because of Jesus. And these two things about Jesus. Jesus is full of grace and truth. And there's so many moments when Jesus actually showed grace and truth, even at the same time. So I just picked one, right? John chapter 8. This is a cool story, and you guys have all probably heard it before. But it goes like this. John chapter 8, verse 2. At dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. So just imagine, right? It was calm outside the temple. People were ready to sit down and hear from Jesus. The temple was a beautiful building. It was tranquil. It was peaceful because it was sacred. You know, and then this happens. So verse 3. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. So in come these religious authority figures, right? They disturb the peace. They violate the harmony with strife. They were probably physically dragging this woman on the ground so she's bruised and scratched. You know, it was dawn, so they probably fetched her out of bed. She was startled, not even dressed properly. And now she's humiliated in front of a whole crowd. And notice, she was the only one brought before Jesus, right? Where was the man? Yeah? Here she is, being accused of committing adultery, but where was the man that she was with? And what about her husband? Like, isn't the husband meant to bring the accusation? Where was he? Right? And it was most probable that this woman was actually a prostitute. And that's why no one, no, no one to claim responsibility or to accuse, right? And how did these religious people even know that she was a prostitute? Right? Like, the people were, these people, these religious people were so disingenuous, so fake, that the very thing they did to try to expose Jesus actually exposed them. So how did they know she was a prostitute and where she'd be, you know? Yeah, exactly. In the act, most probably, right? And most importantly, they didn't care about this woman. That's what's even worse, is that, sorry, they didn't care about this woman or anybody else that was there. All they actually cared about was the power of public opinion. That's why they were doing this, right? So they wanted the power that came with swaying people to side with them. And in the process, all of them proved that their religiousness was a total fake. And they weren't asking Jesus what to do, you know, because they thought highly of him or they considered him to be a judge or something. They were actually coming to test him to see if they can sway the tide of opinion against him, to see if he can mess up, say something bad about the law of Moses, God's law, which, by the way, they interpreted wrong, you know, incorrectly. The religious people were actually there to sway people, to gain power. They cared nothing for this woman or anybody else that was standing there. So maybe they thought Jesus would say the wrong thing. And maybe they could have a reason then to put him to death, right? And this is what happens next, halfway through verse 6. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. 
When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. So Jesus, right, doesn't respond straight away, which is crazy. He doesn't get sucked into their game. He stays true to who he is, full of truth, just like John described him. They kept on questioning him. It wasn't like just one question and everybody was quiet and kind of waiting for his response. It was like being swarmed by the press. It was cameras in his face, question after question after question. And he just gets down on the ground and starts writing with his finger. Like, not the most normal of ways to respond, right? So, especially considering that the woman, her life was in danger. And the situation calls for some urgency. You'd think. People standing up, holding stones, ready to kill. Maybe Jesus was, you know, like just doing his weird eccentric act, you know. But this wasn't the time for it. You'd think. People have always talked about um, what Jesus wrote on the ground when he knelt down and wrote on the ground, because it doesn't say. People say that when he stooped down to write on the ground, that he was writing the sins out of the people that were standing there. You know, the religious people, but also everybody else. He showed them that he knew all of their dark secrets, not just the Pharisees, but everybody else. And the crowd that got behind them, he knew all of their dark secrets. But like I said, it doesn't say. We know he did, because he knows everything, but it doesn't say what he wrote on the ground. But what it does say is what he says next. Whoever is without sin can throw the first stone, right? That exposes them. That exposes them. Verse 9, it says, At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. And with that, not one person could actually just stand there and say, they were righteous enough to cast judgment on this woman. And the older ones left first, it says, right? So, man, people like so easily, 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 easy to follow. I mean, people follow so easily is what I'm trying to say. So some of the younger ones, they were just there. You know, they were just there following. You know, the older ones dropped their stones first, then the younger ones followed. But Jesus, he remains true to himself and he shows grace. Being the son of God... God himself, he was the only person in that setting who could have rightfully actually judged this woman. But what he does next, verse 10, Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. So despite all the commotion, the spotlight that was on Jesus, Jesus' focus was on one thing. Jesus' focus was actually on the woman. He cared for her more than being right. Like if the situation had blown up, they could have called him a blasphemer who rejects the law and dragged him away to be killed with her. But he cared about her more than being right, more than saving his own skin. He didn't care about all that stuff. His focus was this woman and showing her genuine, real love, no strings attached, maybe something that she'd never experienced before in her life. And what about the way like, that he speaks to her, right? In that last exchange, he's, he speaks so nicely to her, like, like as if he restores her dignity again, like he gives her her, her honour back as a woman. 
Jesus, full of grace and truth. In this one instance, in the thick of massive commotion, he demonstrates both of these things, grace and truth. And we know what he did, obviously. You know, his love for this woman was more than just words because it was a few months later that he actually dies for this woman on the cross. It wasn't just that he was being nice to her in a moment. He dies for all of us. He defeats death for all of us so that we can have life. Always loves, always stays true to himself. That's what you see in Jesus that you just can't walk away from. You just can't walk away from. When you realize that he's treated you as kindly and as genuinely as he's treated that woman, you could never have experienced a relationship with Jesus and walk away from it. No way, you know. And he has, if you're in any doubt, that he treats you in the same way. I'm telling you guys, he does. It's in his word. He, he, this is who he is. He treats each one of us like that. And just a side thing, right? Here's the thing about truth, because I, I feel like people like sometimes, and even I, would just think of this in the wrong way. You know, like when, G, when, when John says Jesus is full of truth, I've seen some Christians tell people off, you know, get on a high horse and say, oh, I'm just being honest. You know, or Jesus was always straight down the line with the Pharisees, with the religious people. He told them off. Jesus didn't fluff around. He was full of truth, so I'm not going to fluff around. You know what I mean? But that's not it. I think if we just limit the word truth to that, it's not it. We We missed the point. The truth that John actually is talking about when he describes Jesus is something called veracity, right? It's actually being true to oneself. It's actually being honest, being genuine, um, fulfilling the call that was on his life despite the factors that were trying to bend him, right? It's actually being genuine. When Pilate, the governor, says to Jesus, what is truth anyway? Kind of throwing his hands up in the air, what is truth anyway? Like, as if I'd given up on finding anything that's ever going to be real in this life, what does Jesus say? He says, I am the truth, right? He doesn't say, I just tell the truth. I says, I am the truth. And, you know, Jesus doesn't just reveal truth. Yes, he always tells the truth. But more than that, he is truth because he is true to who he is. You know, when the Pharisees said, how can you forgive sin? Are you God? He says, yes, I am. True to him. Like, so what if people are going to think I'm crazy? But that's true. You know, I am true to who I am. And when one of his followers took him aside and said, hey, you got to stop talking about how you're, you know, you're going to die. We don't want you to die. What does he say? He goes, get behind me, Satan. You only have in mind human concerns, but I have in mind the concerns of God. He was actually true to who he is. He was like, doesn't shy away from what he was sent by God to do. That was most important for him. He said over and over, I came to do the Father's will. Nothing I do, I do on my own, but my Father has sent me to do. All right? He was being straight up fulfilling his mission and not letting anything divert him. But he always led with love, grace, and he stayed true to that. He was committed to carrying out the course of love that was set before him. The course was ultimately his own death. And he said, none of us can actually follow him unless we carry our own cross and die to ourselves. So that's our course too, you know. Our course is to follow Jesus and love this world so that more people would follow Jesus. And our course isn't to judge it. Our course isn't to manipulate it, right? Our course is to just love it, the people in it. You know, I'm I'm mindful of the fact that as soon as I divert from the course, my genuineness goes out the window. I'm not believable because my actions don't really marry up with who I follow, with Jesus. 
you know. And when our community sees genuineness, the real love in us, they are directly exposed to this amazing God person, Jesus, you know. What does Jesus say to his disciples? Love one another as I have loved you. And in, the, in that way, the whole world will know that you are my disciples. You know, is there somewhere in your life where you haven't been genuine? I've got them. Is there somewhere in your life where you haven't tr- been true to what God wants you to do? I've got them. Is there something that's holding you back, that you're holding back from God as well? Is there a situation that arises in your life, in your community, where you struggle to respond with love and grace first? It's really hard because I get angry, you know? I've got them. Is there someone you don't love? I've got them. I'm always struggling to love, you know? Is there someone you fobbed off who you might just be wanting to experience a little bit of genuine care? Bring those people to God. Bring them to him now because he'll deal with all of that. But it's in our hearts we have to say, Jesus is full of grace and truth. I want to be like him. I'm following him, you know, because God knows like every day is a day for me to wake up and purposely give God everything because I want to genuinely reflect Jesus. And it's a battle, right? It's a battle. It's so hard, you know, but it's not me doing it. I give it to God and through his spirit, he'll make me do those things. He'll have me do those things. It's no, no pressure. God doesn't give us too much. You know, he gives us what he's willing to help us with. So, As soon as we mimic Jesus, guess what though? In grace and truth, the enemy hates it because he knows we are going to make substantial changes in this world and people's lives. He is full of grace and truth and we are called to be full of grace and truth. And in that way, if we approach the world like that, this world will change. People will actually come to follow Jesus. It's going to happen regardless. If we follow out him, people are going to follow him too. You know, just this week, right? And I'll, I'll end up with this. In the middle of all of my discouragement, okay, Kim told me of one of her customers that came in to see her, right? The customer work walks in, you know, and they, they, they talk into Kim and she finds out she, this customer works with a couple of people from church, right? Kim was like, oh, yeah, I know those people, you know, um, I actually go to church with them, blah, blah, blah. So they sat there and they talked about these people that they both know, you know, people from church, really great people. And um, she said something to Kim that sums it all up right? She said, jokingly, okay, maybe I should start coming to church because it sounds like they make good people, right? This is in the midst of all my discouragement. That sums it all up, really. Hey, how encouraging, right? How encouraging. That's what we pray we'd see, you know, that God giving us the strength to be full of grace and truth, to love with genuineness, to stay true to that calling, to care about people who are missing out on the best relationship they've, they will ever have in their life, a relationship with Jesus, makes a difference for people. There's so much fake in our world today that actually when there's something that comes around that's genuine and real, it is highlighted. It's 10 times bigger than what it is to people because there's so much fake. The whole point is we see more and more people go, maybe I should start coming to church. Sounds like they make good people, right? So that they could one day go, maybe I should start going to Jesus because he sounds like he's the best person, you know? That's really what we're here for. People to just go contact with Jesus and go, I will never be the same again. I will never leave this person. He's amazing, you know? I just want to really encourage you guys. This is a story about us as a church as well. So that pumped me up so much this week. You know, I just thought, man, our people, they're so good, you know? We could change things. 
So, yeah. Adds. So what I'll do is I'll pray and I'll just bring the things that we can, we can have in our minds and our hearts about, you know, just the stuff that we want God to deal with, you know, the people that we find it really hard to love, the times, the times that make us really struggle to love. Just bring them to God, leave them at his feet, and he will deal with those things and make us the people he wants us to be. Let's pray. Father God, I just wanted to thank you. Lord Jesus, you've done everything for us. Lord God, you've given your life up for us and you came back to life in three days and you defeated death so that we could have life with you. Thank you, God, for this relationship that means everything to us. This relationship that impacts every one of our other relationships. Thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you for how attractive and beautiful you are, Lord God. Sometimes we could get discouraged, even maybe disillusioned, but if we look at you, Lord, you could never walk away from you you are so good. You are so attractive. And I just wanted to pray for every person that's in this church today. Lord, thank you for them. Thank you for the people that aren't here as well. Thank you for them, God. Thank you for the people that make us up as a collective. Thank you for this community, but also thank you for the church as a whole, the universal church, all the people that say they follow you, that call for you, Lord God, everywhere around the world. I pray that you give all of us everywhere wisdom to actually walk out a life full of grace and truth, to actually be true to the calling of following Jesus. And it would reflect in every aspect of our lives that people would look at us and go, that's real. That's genuine. That's not fake. He's not doing things just for himself or she's not doing things just so she can get ahead. That's real. That's genuine. Lord, if there are people that we're struggling with, I just bring them before you, God. Lord God, as a church, that we bring them to your feet, Lord Jesus, that you'd help us deal with those people, help us love them, help us get like a new vigor today to actually love them. Lord God, Lord, if there are times that we really struggle with circumstances in our life, when times when people will reject us as Christians or bring us down, Lord, those specific things that really make us angry or felt feel like it, just unjust, something unjust has been done to me. Lord, I bring those things before us, before you too. And know, God, that you're actually the one who holds the hearts of men in your hand. You have everything in your control. We don't have to change things. We don't have to make sure that we control everything and make things go our way. God, you are the person in charge. All we want to do is respond in truth and grace. I pray, God, that you help us stay true to that. And thank you for the example that you've set out before us as well. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Yusef. How good was that? I know I was personally really encouraged and um, I could relate to what you're saying about Fenergan. My doctors prescribed that to me for my migraines when I can't get to sleep because of the pain and the vomiting. And then it does knock me out. It's wonderful stuff. But I remember Ryan came to our house once and I, I think he was a bit unwell and he was struggling to sleep. I'm like, yeah, I've got these drugs. Um, take one of these. And he slept all night the next day, still asleep. Like we went out, we came back and Ryan's still dead on the couch. Anyway, really powerful stuff if you're struggling to sleep. Let's stand. Um, powerful word. Let's bring it back. And I, I really think um, Yusef was really onto something there. And you know what? Josh and I have been discouraged of late. And we talked to other Christians. They've been discouraged of late. Let's put together the pieces, guys. There's a bit of an assault on us as the body of Christ to actually throw us off. Because as Yusef says, as we actually genuinely represent the cause of Christ and get out there and love people, the enemy doesn't like it. He's pulling out all the stops to throw us off. Because if we're not there, no one's going to connect with God. So may we be encouraged. And I know some of our playgroup mums and the ones who are coming to Alpha have 
said things like they drive past the church on a Sunday and see everyone hanging out and I don't know see our Facebook posts or just see us doing life together and they said they're off to the beach but they're like hey that actually looks really nice like I kind of feel like we're missing out because we're not doing what they're doing and of course we encourage them you guys can be part of that too it's not exclusive but I just want to say this to you church and us church and I've had this phrase going through my head the last probably few weeks you're doing better than you think you are and you know the thing with religion is that you have to measure up to this standard perfection like these hypocritical people in the story that Yusuf was talking about and sometimes we can actually slip into that mindset ourselves that we have to be living up to this standard but it's um sucks the life out of you so if any of you are feeling like that that you have to be living a certain way or living up to this standard of perfection may that just be uh, broken this morning and may you just learn the rhythms of grace which is just free and light and easy so all we've got to do is just love God and love one another and people are being drawn to God may we not complicate it anyway I don't need to keep talking because Yusuf said it all so wonderfully but if you are feeling a little bit discouraged this morning and you just need to connect with the source you know those who hope in God will renew their strength we're just going to open up the front here and I just encourage